Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. I am Alex and this week I am joined by a particularly bitter Kez McDonald. Hello. <laughs> I'm going to do that voice the whole time. Good, you do that. Excellent. Just because you're not uh, the internet's popular face of uh, unboxing, Alex Simmons. That's Alex me. Simmons took a console out of a box and it's got nearly 700,000 views on YouTube. Yeah. yeah, but it was the way I took it out of the box. The amount, of time, the of, amount of time we spend doing awesome things on video. Yeah. It turns out all we actually need to do is take things out of boxes. Maybe you were the, the secret ingredient though. Maybe I think it was, was, yeah. Maybe if it was any of the rest of us taking something out of a box, then... Yeah. Well, if you look at some of the other unboxings, nowhere near as popular as ours. Mention mean- no names. <laughs> but ours is, ours is super skills and the best. So, well done, everybody. This is, this is what Alex... Alex is also happy because he has 200 new Twitter followers this week. <laughs> Again, so double bitter. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Because- you, know, you, know, you know why she's not very happy, don't you? Why? Mention, mention her doing a Sean Connery impression. Oh, yeah. Okay, go on. Do it. Kez is going to do a, a Sean Connery impression I'm for not- all our listeners. Come on. We lost a pub quiz last night. On a tiebreaker because um, the so the tiebreaker the previous tiebreaker was name as many Mario games as you can in fifteen seconds. Yeah. So when the next tiebreaker came up, I'm like, I'll do it because I bet it's going to be game related and I can do that. Yeah. And I got up and it was do an impression of a movie star. Yeah. I have one impression and it's Sean Connery and it's not very good. Come on, do it. No, I'm not doing it. Oh please, I'm not doing it. Do it. We'll sit in silence till you do it. Just do it. I'm not going to do it. Come on. No, I'm not. It's humiliating. I'm not going to do it. I'm trying to do it. I can't do it. I mish money. It's not exactly difficult, but still it's not. Uh, is that, that, was, that, was that it? No, that was a slightly better version than what I did last night, actually. <laughs> no wonder we lost. Yeah, it was really bad. Oh, what well. did we lose then? What, what, what could you have won? We didn't actually win, lose anything significant. We lost some Xboxes. We were going to win some Xboxes. We have enough Xboxes. We've got shit tons of Xboxes. So it was okay, but it was annoying because we, got, we, got, um, we, we came joint first. And then the other guy did a really good Dobby from Harry Potter and it was, it was all over. How does Dobby sound? He was like, Master's given Dobby a sock. And that's just my voice, you see. I'm not very good at impressions. I could do an impression of myself. What, anyway. Can, can you do an impression of a 13-year-old boy? <laughs> <laughs> I can just Harry talk <laughs> normally. for fun. That happened on another one of my articles this I know, week, didn't it? I know. Someone in my articles put a comment saying, Keza has the voice of a woman. <laughs> Funny that. <laughs> the what? The, the voice, voice of, of a woman. woman. I'm not sure how to take that. It was great. I was no. like, I, I am a woman. <laughs> Uh, How long do I have to be IGN before this becomes common knowledge, I wonder? Still, that was fun. So yeah, we lost the pub quiz, so I'm bitter. Uh, That's this week. Bye, everybody. Also joined by Stuart Reid. Hey, how are you doing? Uh, I'm not too bad. And uh, first time podcast E or podcast er? Well, he's not being podcasted at. He's the podcaster. Right. Is is Rich Bear Park. Whoa. Lovely to be here. Who are you you and why are you here? Yeah. So my name is Richard and yeah. I'm here as part of the IGN video team. I joined approximately about a month and a half ago. So Has it been that long? Yeah, already. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's been good. Tell us about yourself. Well, apparently Stuart hasn't even noticed you yet, so. Who? Ooh. What? Stuart who? There's this guy who just asked who he was and what he was doing here. Oh, okay. He's been here a month and a half, Stu. Yes. <laughs> I, I call you Peter Bear. That's fine by me, but it's not accurate. No, not really. That's good. <laughs> but, we're, but we are going to get you a costume for Halloween. Oh, yeah, do you know you can get Peter Bear costumes? Yeah, yeah. I saw cool. some in I'll, Japan. I'll be up for the. I'll be up for dressing up in that. Brilliant, That'd be hilarious. Jimmy Savile. <laughs> we should have dressed you up as Peter Bear and got you to run around after Warwick Davis earlier. That oh. would have been a video. That would have been, been our good. first million video. That would be brilliant. Yeah. So it's getting back in. Tell us about yourself. Obviously, you you film things. I film things. Yeah. I've been filming things for a few years now. If by filming things you mean go on chat roulette, yeah. <laughs> that's filming. Well, that's it? your CV, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> things that people have seen on webcams. Oh no, God! I've just I have this really horrible <laughs> your bleached, vision of my penis, bleached anus. <laughs> uh, so yes, fantastic. Uh, uh, um, you, you video Stuart's what? Bleached <laughs> Um, not that type of video. Good, um, good. But yeah, been video, been doing some video stuff for a fair few years now, and uh, and kind of got this opportunity to come in here and 
see what I can do with IGN. And so far, it's, it's going it's going well. What's so been, what, what will our punters have seen you do while you've been working here, Rich? Well, they would have seen the news videos starring Luke Kamali, of course. Hello, everybody. Hello, Hello everybody. everybody. <laughs> and the Doctor Who video cast is another vi- uh, very popular one. Yeah. That, uh, Even though I do love. say so myself. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, also helped with the FIFA live stream, didn't you? Of course, FIFA live stream. Yeah. You filmed footballers good. doing cameraman stuff. on that. Mm. Uh, also, uh, you're dis- the cameraman dis- that I event. wasn't looking at for most of the. the uh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we can sort that out. Yeah, yeah. And for next time. But you also you also do magic. I do indeed. Um, the second member of IGN to do magic now, which is great. Yeah. Um, uh, Ian what, Chambers, of course, our overlord. Yeah. So, what's your best trick? Best trick. Wow. Can you cut someone in half? Um, I've, nev- I've never tried that one. <laughs> can you cut Stuart open right now? Can do the first bit. Yeah. Might not go down too well. I after didn't. That I didn't day. say you had to survive. It's just can you cut him open? Yeah. Yeah, do I can it, do that. Try it. I'll get a knife from the kitchen. Go on then. Good. Try it. Nice serrated one. Make it blunt and rusty. Very <laughs> painful. <laughs> Why am I saying that? Anyway, hello, welcome aboard. Thank you very much. And thanks for doing this. Thank you. Uh, We're going to start this week's podcast with some feedback. I'm going to turn it, ask about tit, actually. What, what? Uh, I'm going to turn the podcast, ask about tit. Oh. Uh, Keza. Yeah. Uh, someone's written in. What? What do you uh, want? You've got um, such a grumpy face. I've not got a grumpy face. You've got a big smiley face. You've got a grumpy face He's lying. I've got a big smiley face. She's like, Big lovely smiley. I'm just wearing a hoodie. Is this Does that impact your face? It does. Does it? I do, actually, because hoodies make you want to curl up and go to sleep. It's a thing. So anyway, he said, uh, he Who? sensed... Uh, Who does? Uh, Who does? Tim, Tim B.S. Tim's. 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 <laughs> so it's a misspelt limbs. Maybe. Uh, says that he, he sensed a general lack of enthusiasm about the Wii U. Um, and agree that getting one that launched is probably not the best idea. But uh, is there anything after that that's really exciting coming out? Now, Keza, obviously, uh, he says this aimed at you because you left the room. When we spoke about it, yeah, I did, uh, yeah. and so therefore the general tone was. We basically but slapped a bit more right down. You guys, for, for you guys are a bit eh, anyway, really about everything. To we, be well, I think we're suffering from ennui. You ennui. Oh, good. You. See, I like that. Amazing. That's good. It's very clever. Stuart. Yeah, very clever. I quite, I like the Wii U. Everyone knows this, but I, th- I think it's I think it's quite good. I've heard extremely good things about Zombie U from those in the new, as in it's a system seller. From those really? in the new, did you say? From those in the new. Why did I just say that? Zombie you from those in the new. What are you even talking about? Those in the know? Those in the know. <laughs> no, those in the are new. You, are you not one of those people? Those in the nude. Those are the people that know about Zombie Naked U. people like playing Naked people love Zombie U. Right. Um, I've heard it's it's even better. Well, I can't play it because I'm a big wuss about horror. So I played it for about an hour and thought it looked awesome, but I know I will never be able to play it. Don't it's be a wuss. I am a wuss, though. Don't That's be, not going to change. That you, it, you can be changed. It can be changed. Please don't like do any kind of weird hypnotherapy on me or anything like oh, that. Go on, that'd be so funny. Oh, Would it like be funny? Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Burn. Like force your eyeballs to stay open as we feed horrible things into your face. Ooh. That, Ooh. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a good time. It really doesn't. But that's the point. You'll come out of it a stronger woman. Yeah. So, uh, in conclusion, the Wii U... <laughs> But his, so his other <laughs> argument is the Wii U will be just in its stride as the Xbox and PlayStation, the new Xbox and PlayStation come out. And he thinks that developers won't really know how to ve- develop for those systems at that point. I'm not sure about that. They've been developing for yeah. Xbox and PlayStation also, quite a long time. high-end PCs aren't that much different in terms of capabilities, mm. but obviously in terms of how I, you make stuff for them will be different. I would say it's the other way around, is that people will really be getting to grips with Wii U and what that's capable of rather than anything else. I think so. if you want a next PlayStation or Xbox as soon as it comes out, mm. then think hard about getting a Wii U. You mm. might want to save up instead. Oh, but that's you're going to have a. Let's think it's a year. It's like whether you can wait a year with the same old consoles or whether you're willing to pay. It's not that expensive. That's the thing. But with your, the Wii U, it's but it, not but that it doesn't much. really have anything on it that's worth buying. Tell me, what's Zombie the, U, Zombie U, okay, the, the system U. seller. Apart from Zombie U. Nintendo Land will be nice, but, but that's interesting. That's probably the first time that a third-party game has been a Nintendo console system. Seller. I mean, obviously, we haven't played through the game yet, so we can't say that with no. absolute. But this is just from somebody who I know who who, who knows who knows such things. But he, he thinks it's awesome, nude. so that's good. Um, I think in the launch window, there's a few exciting things coming out that aren't quite launch day. But the launch window is about twelve months long. That's the thing. Yeah, it's <laughs> long, long. I'm looking forward to Nintendo Land. I think that's going to be good. I mean, really, you're buying it for the inevitable Zelda or Mario, like proper new Mario, not new Super Mario Brothers Wii U. Are you excited by a new Zelda? 
Yeah. Did, did you finish Skyward Sword? Not yet, actually. Mm. See, that's that's my problem. I think what happens with Zelda, like like any long-running game franchise, something that's been around for longer than 10 years, what happens for me anyway is that I'm into it for like three or four or five years and then I'll just go off it for a few years and then I'll come yeah. back and it's kind of up and down. So Zelda, um, I had a little bit of a wane in my interest for Zelda since yeah. the 25th anniversary because I totally OD'd on the 25th anniversary stuff and I played a lot of the games again and I really loved Ocarina of Time on DS. Mm. And then when mm. Skyward Sword came out, I was like, I want to play something else for a bit. Yeah. But the cool thing about Mario and Zelda and such long-running franchises is that they're always there when you come back and you're interested in them again. They're always there and they've never changed that much. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, the thing is, is that a good thing that they never change that much? Is that not why you get bored of them in the first place? Not really. You just get. I mean, that's like saying you get bored of um, comedy films well, for you, a bit, so you go away and watch uh, action films or whatever. Is it though? Is it not like saying you get bored with American Pie films or you get bored with a certain franchise of film? Yeah, maybe. But I mean, it's it's, it's kind of like. The rules of Mario never really change, right? I mean, the thing is, they, they do, they, they are revolutionary games, they always have been. Like, it's unfair to think of Nintendo franchises as stayed because they've consistently revolutionised gaming, like, throughout their history. But the fundamentals of them are always the same, I guess is my point. So it's like, it's 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 always familiar, but in, in a good way, not in a boring way, if that makes sense. Mm. It's very difficult. Um, sweet spot to hit, isn't it? It is, and Nintendo's pretty much the only developer that consistently manages to hit it. And even then they slip up sometimes, like New Super Mario Bros. 2 is, is good, but not brilliant on the on the DS. Mm-hmm. Not amazing. And uh, I think a lot of people didn't get on that well with Skyward Sword, actually, did they? They just yeah. found it a little bit too old-fashioned. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's usually, I'd say like with Mario and Zelda, there's about one in every three is really revolutionary. Mm. And then the other two are, are, are really enjoyable if you're in the mood. But I think that when you're when you're into something like that, it's natural to just kind of fall in and out of love with it. It's like with favourite authors, you know? Yeah. Like, you might be really, really into, um, you know, a certain fantasy novelist for a while, and then you'll go away and get more into sci-fi for a bit or something else, and then you'll just, you know, one year you'll just be in the mood for his fantasy again, and you'll go back to a favourite author. There you go. Mm. So it depends whether you're in a Nintendo mood, really. It's difficult to be too, you know, really enthused about the Wii U. No. But I think it's also wrong to dismiss it. It's No, I'm not dismissing it. I'm just not, well, I'm not going to buy it at launch, because I'm not convinced just yet. Hmm. What do you think about Zombie U? Would that, would that switch? If, if it did turn out to be a system seller, would that switch? I'm not a, I'm not a zombie person. Hmm. Like you know, I'm Left 4 Dead. I enjoyed, but that's mainly because it's more of a shooter yeah. than a zombie game. You've been playing a lot more Borderlands. And that's all I've done. It's Borderlands <laughs> every day in the office. To be right? fair, that's all I would be talking about for the next six months. We did win copies of Borderlands last night. The quiz. That's good. We did. You know, you're saying it's hard to get excited about Wii U. Isn't it? Do you think it's going to be hard to be excited about? the next PS and the next Xbox consoles because they I don't how can they be that much of a revolutionary but Stuart step? they got better graphics but that is it isn't it that is <laughs> that's all I need man is better graphics are you really going to notice a difference man my eyeballs are going to pop that's what I want to know. I want to know how, how they can get how better. How better can the graphics yeah. be? Yeah. I think there's maybe an element of expectation management isn't there? Yeah. Like, I don't think it's going to be absolutely mind-boggling because with Xbox and PS3, it was the first jump to HD, so yeah. there was a noticeable improvement. That's it's going to be the same resolution mm-hmm. ultimately, um, and I'm sure it will look prettier. But I don't think it's going to be a gigantic leap forward. No. So what's going to be what is going to be better? The thing that I hope is that new consoles bring new IPs because mm-hmm. that's what everyone talks about. Yeah, new games, new ideas are great. Um, and I hope it's not just we're going to launch the new PlayStation with Call of Duty. It's like. Mm. Hey. That's the noise I will make. Is it? <laughs> uh, the yeah. E3 press conference. Are you conference. sure you're not a zombie person? <laughs> when, when they announce it. You'll hear that in the background. Just yeah. Yeah. Echoing awesome from the stand. Just off mic, miles in the distance, you just hear that noise. <laughs> All these weird Americans <laughs> whooping and hollering and me just sat there again. <laughs> I want to get rid of loading times. Can we get rid of loading times? That would be nice. Maybe mm. that's going to be a feature. Imagine that. Oh, imagine that. Be fantastic. More loading but that's times. it. It's better graphics, bigger hard drives. It's mm. like, oh my gosh, please. No, that's so boring. I guess if the processors are like souped up, they could do better AI, maybe. Yeah, but there's that. It can handle more things at once. That's the that's yeah. going to be the main difference, isn't it? Yeah, mm. it's like it's things like you know Grand Theft Auto having a truly massive city. Mm. That because again, even in GTA Four, it was a massive city, but that's you still demonstrated the limitations of the console. Yeah. Um, but again, it's like how how do you keep up all the time? It's like you know the size of the team needed to kind of develop a city. That's huge, and you can go inside buildings, and it's just you know, it's there's, not there's, feasible. There's yeah. always amazing new games out there. 
is the thing. Like, I mean, I, I discovered Minecraft at the weekend. I'm not going to go out about, on about it because I know Alex is bored to, bored to, bored to tears. Just a, is it a year and a half ago, actually, because of me wittering about Minecraft. But yeah, that, that came out, what, a year and a half ago? It's been mm. in beta for like two and a bit years. I discovered it this weekend. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, that, that's going to be, I hope, more of a, you know, they won't necessarily be about what's new and what's best. It's going to be about what's what's best, no matter where it comes from. It's going to mm. be more like, um, rather than just always obsessing about what's out next, we can be like, Look at this vast range of cool stuff that's come out in the last five years, you know. Let's yeah. let's let's look at that and enjoy all of that. Like to be honest, for, for, to play every single really good game of this, even of this generation, is going to take me would take me years. Yeah. So I'm not pinning all of my hopes on discovering something awesome from next gen consoles because you know you can discover something awesome from a few years back on PC if you I find some sort of cloud based gaming system that we could use to to look at games and you know not have to if worry only. about consoles. Mm. If only. Yeah. If only on life hadn't died. How, is it dead then? It got it's, it got b- bought up again by its, it's original called something investor, else. right? But yeah, it's it to all intents and purposes. And Gaikai got bought by Sony, so that's no longer. I think is that still operational? Uh, but it's been uh, <clears throat> filtered into all of their kind of hardware, isn't it? So they're yeah. going to be using Gaikai Tech. Do you know what? I'm sure PS4 will probably incorporate Gaikai Tech in some way. Yeah, I mean they've said that. Yeah, yeah, it will definitely. Shut up! I was being intelligent. <laughs> anyway, that was one piece of feedback, and we're still rattling on. Wow! Se- second piece of feedback from Ashin Singh says, uh, "With most of you being away abroad recently, uh, I want to know if you ever struggle uh, with games, or does all that travelling diminish your enjoyment of exploration in games such as Elder Scrolls or Fallout? Um, because while the two, uh, he doesn't think the two are mutually exclusive." Um, it must be pretty difficult to get from well to go back to the same point in the game after like weeks or months away from it. I totally have this problem. Yeah, I don't know if you do as well, but I I really do. If I stop playing a game for longer than about four days, yeah, that's probably it. To be it's honest, it's really hard to get back into. Yeah, yeah. like I tend to I, whenever I play a game, I tend to play it like really obsessively for a weekend and then complete it because that way I don't have to drag it out. Do you yeah. find that's the same with reading a book? Oh yeah, yeah, I'm like yeah, that about yeah, most I things. Am. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm terrible for reading novels and getting halfway through and just putting it down and never going back to them. Yeah. Well, and since I've got my Kindle, that's much better actually because yeah, it I'm comes everywhere with yeah. me now. Yeah, mm. and I, I read on the tube, which I didn't used to because you'd have to take your book in your pocket and so yeah. on. But public, it's, like, public lavatories you can read now, can't you? Yeah, you can. You can pretty much read anywhere. Amazing. Like, Switching read. between shooters and stuff like that is always like the the, the different uh, nuances in the controls. Excuse me, and stuff like that. I always struggle with because, like, for example, if I didn't play Borderlands. Have you been playing Borderlands? Yes, I have been playing Borderlands, <laughs> yes. But if I stopped playing that for a week, then I'd really struggle to get back into it because yeah. it's such a vast world. And you've normally got like half a dozen different missions going at the same time. Mm. And also knowing, remembering which weapon is particularly good for different stuff. Because that's all, I've probably spent 75% of the game looking at three menus and comparing weapons and shields wow. and uh, upgrades and this, that and the other. Yeah, watching you play actually, Borderlands isn't very exciting. Just yes, watching you flip the, up and down through menus. That's the exciting bit. It's like when you find a, a shield that's got an extra 10 uh, See, hit points. Amazing, because I just fucking steam in. Steam in. Get twatted. Try it again. Get twatted. Change Brilliant. my gun. Steam in. Get twatted. Eventually manage it by the skin of my teeth. Sounds, that's what I play it. Sounds horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, method to my madness. <laughs> it happened to me with Deus Ex last year. I got very near the end of Deus Ex and then I put it down. I, I, I put it down. I came back to work because I think I've been off for like a couple of days. I came back to work and I've not touched it since and it's been more than a year. Mm. It happens wow. all the time. Yeah. Oh, remember Deus Ex? All the gags we used to make about his name. Yeah. <laughs> happy days. Oh, they were the happy days. Happy Deus Ex. Amazing. <laughs> uh, last piece of feedback from Jennifer Sykes who says, uh, I was wondering if you snack while playing video games uh, or, or watching movies, uh, and if so, what are your favourites? We've had this question before. No right. to snacking during video games because you get grease over your controller. That bad? Because like, see, I, I do enjoy a nice twiglet. I don't know, but unfortunately, mm. twiglets give you poo finger. Yeah, and if you hold your white controller with poo finger, then it makes like you've <sighs> like you've had some kind of like, that dirty is very accident. unpleasant. Yeah. It's not real I shit. It's twiglet <laughs> dust. It's just it's still quite dust, unpleasant. Oh Movies, though, yeah. Big bag of cheese and onion crisps. Really? Mm. That's unpleasant for everybody sitting around you, though. Not really. Minstrels. Not if they're eating them as well. Yeah. Minstrels, yeah. I I minstrels. minstrels. Yeah, minstrels are good. Who put, Galaxy, Cadbury's, if you're listening, minstrels. I yeah. can't, don't know who makes them. Galaxy Mars, minstrels. I think, in general. Oh, no, it's Galaxy, isn't it? Yeah, it's Galaxy. Yeah. 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 Let's mention all of them, just in case. That's a good oh. idea. <laughs> Cadbury's, all the people. <laughs> they do them. If you make Hershey's? chocolate food, bring, send us that stuff. 
I try and not eat whilst gaming because then I'd be even fatter than I am, which would be really bad. Because it's you, unless you don't eat meals, mm. then surely you just get really fat if you snack while gaming. It's hard. It's it's very difficult to play a game and snack at the same time though. Because mm. I pretty much only play action games. You need a nose bag. <laughs> I do. <laughs> do you know? I bet you can find one on Etsy. I, I do like drinking beer while oh, playing games. I fucking love drinking beer. Mm. Not just while I'm playing games, just generally. Yeah. Just beer is so nice. Can we go and have a beer in a minute? That's a good no. idea. Oh. Why? Because it's not time for beer. Oh, it must be nearly beer. It's like time. 11 in the morning. It's definitely beer time. <laughs> uh, he also, sorry, she also, he also, she also says, uh, sucker for English, English accents. Uh, everyone has wonderful voices. Daniel Kruper, I love your accent the best. Mm. The funny thing is, he's Canadian. <laughs> it's a shame Daniel's not here to hear that. I'm, I'm sure, sure he'd really he's appreciate Game that, Thrones. Jennifer. When's that back? It must be back soon, uh, surely. Uh, next year. Or is that Walking Dead? No, it's still next year for oh, Game of Thrones. God, next year. Come on. I still time. haven't finished. Uh, again, similar to my gaming habits. Got all the way up to uh, episode eight. Of wh- season? Uh, season two. Uh, the legitimate copy I had <laughs> to watch wasn't quite right. Right. Uh, I, it was in Spanish or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh, and I've never, I haven't gone back to it. So I've still got two more episodes to go. Oh, what's and you're going to go back and be like, who is everyone? I've forgotten. Well, yeah, who, totally. I've no idea where it is. dragon woman? I've forgotten. Yeah. yeah. And there's shit, there's like 15 more English people going to be in season three, like really important characters. Yeah. So you've got to have your wits about you. I hope they do like a recap and don't just drop us all back straight into it. Because I will not so remember what's many going goddamn on. Northerners. I didn't know there were that many Northerners. Full of fucking Northerners. Yeah. Okay. I do your Northerner impression, Alex. Uh, well, I only do my Mancunian, which is different from Northern. Yeah, still funny though. I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not a good, it's not a good week for impressions for us, from us, is it? Hey. Oh, Dexter's back on in the States, isn't it? I lost all interest in Dexter last season. I thought it was really bad. We've what, had even this discussion. The end of yeah, I last thought it was season. really, really bad. Um, I'm interested to see what happens. Yeah. Anyone watch Doctor Who? No, I didn't. No one here watched. Uh, didn't Any see good? it. Was it? Uh, well, because I because you don't watch it. Either, no, right? but honestly, since uh, iPlayer has become, uh, you can download stuff to iPlayer. It's mm-hmm. sort of revolutionised the way that I watch television. I can watch it on the go. I can watch it anywhere I anywhere I want. Amazing. But. It's so five episodes. Episode one's good. Two and three not so good. Four needed probably an hour's worth of uh, airtime rather than what is it, forty-five minutes or so, because it literally tied everything up right at the end. Right. And then the fourth one, it's okay. Oh. But like, like lots of people going, oh my god, I was so emotional. So oh, they do that in Doctor. They have really long goodbyes, don't they? Yeah. When it was when it's the end of uh, tenants tenancy, the, the, tenancy. There was, oh, thanks. There was like a, it was like a two-hour episode of him just going around the universe saying goodbye to everybody. Yeah. It's like, just fucking jog on, but, pal. But to be fair, they've You've spent... You've had enough of you now, all right? If you just yeah. go back to wherever the fuck you came from. Yeah. They spent Ooh, f- just almost five episodes building up to it. Little things dropped in about right. how, you know, what it would be like without his companions and all this kind of stuff and, like, you know, kind of longing gazes uh, off into the distance. It's like, all right, I get it. I yeah. know they're leaving, but... So I haven't I, seen it. Happy ending or not happy ending? Uh, well, it depends what you would term a happy ending. Everybody's Ambiguous ending. With entrails not, all over Not everyone is slaughtered. Because oh. otherwise, how would they do uh, a Christmas special when it comes back? Ah, uh, fair enough. But I must admit, like, because the new uh, companion is in the first episode. And yeah. she's, she's actually a lot better than I thought she was going to mm. be. But I don't know if that's the character she's going to play. We don't know that. No. But, but she looks promising. She does. Mm. And fit. Mm. She's not as fit as Karen Gillan. No, nobody's as fit as Karen Gillan. No. She is good, though. Who? The new one. Yeah. I don't know her name, but she is... Well, she plays name. Oswin Oswald or something like that in the in the first episode. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Anyway. When's that back? When's that back? Christmas. Are they having a new Doctor Who sometime soon? Uh, well, oh, I think he's signed up. With Mr. Smith. Boy, and he's also around for next year, which is the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who. Okay. 50th anniversary, you Speaking say? Speaking of which... <laughs> uh, Lots of 50th anniversaries. Well, yours. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Bond today. In fact, it is James Bond Day today. Today, yes. yes. And will be if we get the podcast out on time. It yeah. will still be Bond Day, day today. 
And how did we celebrate that? Well, let, let me tell you, one of the things we've done is, obviously we're going to put a lot of stuff up on t- site about James Bond, because mm. he's a very popular man. And Skyfall's out very shortly. Skyfall is out in a matter of weeks. Uh, wouldn't it be great if the new James Bond talked like that? Oh, oh it'd be fabulous. <laughs> you fired six shots, it's my turn. Oh, I got you. I'd love <laughs> that. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Oh, Q, look at the dust in here. Uh, yeah, so we've put together... Have you been approached for the new role? <laughs> <laughs> we've we put together the, the, the 50th, be- 50th, 50th, 50 best bomb bits ever. The, the best 50 bomb bits. You sound like my impression of Sean Connery. <laughs> utterly confused now. Yeah, so we took all the films and snipped bits out of uh, a lot of them. Not all of them, because, you know, there isn't a brilliant bit in every Bond movie. Some no. Bond movies don't have any good bits at all. Uh, there um, must be some Bond movies that don't have good bits. Yes. Like Die Another Day. Well, funny you should say that. Die Another Day is not in the in the finished video, oh. uh, especially not the theme song. No. Which is probably the worst theme song. It must be the worst, yeah. What's the, what is that theme song? That's the Madonna one. Maradona. Oh, no. Yeah. It's horrendous. Or something like that, it goes. But Madonna's horrendous anyway. How she's so successful, it's beyond me. This is the case for most popular musicians. This is the case for most popular musicians. I don't understand. I just don't understand why these kids like to listen to such things. Yeah, but we're going back to the 80s when she started, and she mm. was fucking awful then. And yet she, she seems to have the world in her grasp. People go nuts for her, though. Yeah. They do. I don't really understand it. What is your best Bond moment? Well, it's been interesting, because obviously I've been working on the video all week, so I've gone through a lot of them and watched a few of them time and time and time again. Mm. There are a couple of really good Bond moments which are ruined by the way the films are made. For instance, there's that fantastic... Is it The Man with the Golden Gun where they do the the car flip in mid-air? Like it's a Trans Am or something like that. And they do a really stupid swanny whistle sound effect over it. So you've got this amazing (laughs) death-defying stunt and literally goes... As it's really, going. really, wow. really, truly. It is. It is weird the way that some of the how cheesy and corny some of the early films are. Oh, and yeah. I know that's part of the charm, but I must admit I do prefer. Well, really, I prefer Casino Daniel Craig. So yeah, I, yeah. I didn't enjoy Casino. Uh, sorry, Quantum of Solace, but Casino Royale was Casino Royale was, was really movie. good, really great. Um, yeah, the, the the really early, well, a couple of the really early ones, like Doctor No, the first one is bloody dull it's really quite boring yeah not much happens there's no budget for any big set scene uh, set scenes big <laughs> scenes uh, and I, it's probably not until I don't know Goldfinger Thunderball yeah. around yeah. there that's like your classic era then it all goes to Ratchet after that with uh, Roger, Roger Moore. Moore although I've got a soft spot for Limit Let Die I must say I do like Living it it's a good die. movie yeah because yeah. it's one of the most atypical Bonds I think it's not like a normal Bond it's more like one of those early 70s black exploitation films yeah which is really quite bizarre, but it's good fun. Um, but my favourite moment, I think, has to be um, the skiing off the side of a mountain. Right. And he goes down and down and down. That was Roger Moore, wasn't down. it? That was Roger. Well, mm. it was a stuntman. I well, think, yes. I don't think Roger would have been able to do it. It's my Roger Moore. What was Warwick Davis's yeah. favourite Bond again? Um, we never actually found out wasn't it? What, what, the, what the film was. We didn't. What, oh, yeah. What now, this moment? is a good test for our for our listeners, actually. Yes. He gave us some clues, but he couldn't remember the name it of the film. It was the weirdest okay, sequence so of words I've ever heard come out of a person's mouth. The clues that he gave us were, at the start of the film, there was a man who was disguised as another man. And mm-hmm. correct me if I get any of this wrong. Yeah, there were two um, gay villains, right? Yes. Uh, there was a helicopter. Two gay villains? Apparently. Yeah. There was a helicopter involved and a scorpion. And someone put a scorpion down the back of another person. Yes. He was adamant that the villains were romantically involved. Sounds more like a fever dream. Yeah. None of us could figure out what this film was no. he was referring wow. to. We did a lot of Googling as well. Oh, really? You've Googled it already? A lot, yeah. yeah. Tried yeah. it. Listeners, if you can help us out here, yeah. it would be very helpful. Richie, what about you? What about you and James Bond? Cause, you know. See, actually, you've already mentioned it. My mm. favourite James Bond moment is that famous car twist in um, Man with the Golden Gun, Yeah, which is brilliant. And I love that because of the silly sound effect. <laughs> I think what? I, I think it's brilliant because of that. Um, I don't know if at the time they realised how funny it was going to be, but um, I think looking back at it now, I love it. And great fact about that is it was done in one take. Wow. And the stuntman who did it was uncredited. Really? Yeah. So we don't know his name anymore or we do? We know his name. Um, his name is Bumps Willard. Bumps That's Willard? That's a pretty yeah. good stuntman <laughs> name. That's a crazy stuntman name, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I but, always thought Rip Torn was a great stuntman name instead of just being an actor. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. 
So great fact about that. Um, I love that, that. That's why I love it. Yeah, yeah. Facts with Rich what about Bear you, <laughs> Great I like facts. any film in which Daniel Craig is partially unclothed. When he's having Do his, you like him? When he's having his oh, yeah, whipped. yeah, definitely. That is a hell of a scene. That's a hell of a scene, actually. Yeah, I, watched, I was watching That's that. Painful, just, just whether or not you have balls. But his his performance in that is is hysterically funny because he's he's going on about how he's got an itch in his balls and this yeah. guy had better yeah. try again and then he just starts saying, "Ah, you've itched my balls!" Ah. <laughs> he just completely goes mad. It's brilliant. That's great. I really really like Daniel Craig. I also like. I don't like. I don't like the. I quite like Goldeneye. Yeah, well, I really I've, like the damn the damn jump. But the thing is, I mostly like Goldeneye because of the game on the sixty four, which right. was seminal. Oh, but the, the damn game. the damn jump is. See, it's been interesting. Stronger. We've been we've been watching uh, obviously a lot of the clips as we've been ed- editing it together. And Pierce Brosnan looks amazing mm. as Bond. He looks he does, yeah. so good. But a lot of the films after Goldeneye were just appalling. Yeah. And this, see, I don't know if this is becoming a cycle where they 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 get a new guy in to play Bond, and the first one they get him to do is really good. And then they kind of lose the plot a bit because, like, Casino Royale was terrific, amazing. Quantum yeah. of Solace, meh. It was all over the place. Yeah, Skyfall might be yeah. good. Yeah, Skyfall How does that look? Has anyone seen any of it? Like, has anyone been to see it yet? No, no. no. Reviewers haven't. I, can't, seen it yet. I really can't wait. Really can't wait. It could be the the Bond movie that we've all always wanted. Because yeah. if you look at IMDb, Bond movies don't score very highly. I don't think a single Bond movie has scored more than an eight on IMDb. No, no. Even Casino Royale. Nope. 7.9 I think it's the highest mm. it was too long Casino Royale yeah well this new one's 2 hours 20 right it's a long old movie it's got a good story to it though by the looks of the trailer yeah so he gets lost he doesn't want to be Bond anymore and then he comes back as Bond mm. sounds wow. great that's cool Can't that's wait. quite a lot like Dark Knight Rises it's a bit isn't it yeah yeah. yeah. an English English Dark Knight Rises uh-huh. I was interviewing the woman um, who writes Tomb Raider now her name's Rihanna Pratchett um, Terry Pratchett's daughter. That's right, yeah. yeah. She's really cool. She's done a bunch of games over the past kind of five, ten years or so. She used to be a games journalist as well, but she's writing Lara Croft, and uh, we ended up having a long conversation about how Lara Croft is the female Batman, or at least has been, because she's very suave, has unlimited money, has a really cool big house, lots of gadgets, and a sense of justice. Although she, she does like shooting people in the head. Quite yeah, a lot more she doesn't seem as tortured. Yeah, she shoots people. Yeah, yeah she shoots people. Yeah. Mm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'd, I'd, I'd I think because other people call her the female Bond, and I don't think she's Bond. I mean, she's English and suave and posh, and again has lots of money. But I don't think she's English Bond because she's well, she's not a massive womanizer for one thing. <laughs> now that would be a great <laughs> twist if she was, though. Yeah, <laughs> wouldn't it? it? Turned out, yeah. Imagine those movies. They would do well, <laughs> <laughs> especially if they recast Angelina Jolie. Yeah. <laughs> Who sure I think was quite are. good as Lara Croft, actually, but she looked right, but I don't think she acted right for her. Well, she can't act. But again, not particularly mm. good movies. No, no, weren't. sad but true. Mm. Alex Simmons, what about your favourite Bond moment? Well, see, there are lots of them, but I'm see, I'm no good at remembering which Bond movie is which. Right, but there, so um, the a lot of them revolve around cars, actually. The um, underwater Lotus Elite. Mm. What movie was that? Spy Love Me. Right, thank you. There's that. There is the um, Aston Martin. With the ejector seat. Oh, that's fantastic. See, if if I could have any car, it would be that car. Yeah. I think that is a beautiful car. Well, if you could have any car in the world or just in the James Bond No, movies? no, any car. Really? Yeah. I think it is an absolutely beautiful looking car. So I'd have a Mark II Jag. Really? Inspector Jag. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm less ambitious. Mini Cooper would do me just fine. Oh, they're well, easy well. to get. I also yeah. don't drive, so. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> See, there is zero chance of me getting an Aston Martin. I could but probably. A Mini Cooper is like. My, my aspirations are very lofty. Again. That's true. Less lofty. My aspirations are less lofty. I just want a little Mini Cooper. It's fine. But learn to drive first. That would be the first step towards. What's stopping you learning to drive? Uh, my terrible lack of spatial awareness, Stuart. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Stay off the road. Yeah. That's probably the best you don't. I'm then. fairly sure that I wouldn't be a very good driver. Are you still cycling to work? Uh, I, I, in theory, yes. I haven't for a while. So, so no. I'm not, I'm not allowed to. <laughs> in theory about it, you're not. <laughs> my, doc- my doctor told me I wasn't allowed to. Right. Until. Until you got some spatial awareness. <laughs> <laughs> no, the cycling was, I was doing fine on the actual spatial awareness. I was actually getting really good at it and I was doing it without getting too tired and everything. But All then run I, over. Or run over. Yeah, I didn't. I only came close to getting run over once, and that was on the first day because I didn't know what I was doing. So it's not as bad as people say it is. Cycling in London, people, it's fine. Yeah, it looks mental though. It is terrifying for the first week yeah. or so, but then you realise that it's very unlikely that you actually will get run over as long as you're not an idiot. 
I would never drive, uh, ride, a cycle in London. I, I don't have a problem driving because nobody, you can't go fast enough to have a proper accident. But if you were cycling and an articulated lorry decided to turn left and didn't see you, even if he was going at four miles an hour, he would still squash yeah. you like a tiny bug. I basically stay the hell away from large vehicles. Mm-hmm. Like anything big, I just stay as far away from it as possible until it's out of my way. If it's a bus, then you can kind of be assured that they were looking at you. Because they yeah, they look they look no. all the time. Yeah, no. But then, other than that, you just you just stay away from large vehicles. That's really the best way. And mm. you can go up all these little streets that they can't get up anyway. The only hairy bits like Waterloo Bridge. This that's is so boring for people like who don't like fucking good, cycle in London. Sounds like a good game though. Cycling, <laughs> trying to avoid getting Death crushed. Cycle, yeah. probably slightly <laughs> insensitive. Being chased by a big red bus. Yeah, I think I've had dreams like that, like stress dreams where you're getting chased by a huge bus. Sounds like Polish animation. Right, what's next? (laughs) (laughs) So we're all really busy at the moment because all the games in the world are coming out and we can't even talk to you about them because most of them are under embargo, which is really frustrating. So, for instance, we've been playing Dishonored and we're allowed to talk about that. Okay. Can't even talk about the fact you've been playing Dishonored. Can't even talk about the fact I've been playing. I haven't been. What? What game? And what else are we reviewing? Uh, XCOM's coming out, isn't it? XCOM's coming out next week. We're not reviewing that. It's being reviewed elsewhere in the IGN empire. But we did get Jake and Casey in from Firaxis, who developed the game, to chat to us about it. I think it's a really cool game. Mm-hmm. Do you think they should have been called Firaxis, but someone missed out the E when they put it together? I'm guessing someone might have corrected that at some point during okay. the trademarking slash business registration process. You never know these things can be overlooked. Yeah. It's true. Anyway, let's find out what they had to say. So Games Busy Season has just started. In a couple of weeks, we've got Dishonored coming out. We've already had FIFA. Um, Assassin's Creed's also out by the end of the month. Another game that's out very soon on the 9th of October in the States and 12th in the UK is XCOM Enemy Unknown, which is a remake of, well, remake, reimagining of something that's popularly considered one of the best PC games ever made, which is quite some accolade. Ever made, yes. <laughs> ever made. <laughs> Nothing like trying to live up to that one. <laughs> and that guy right there, that's Jake Solomon. He's lead designer at Firaxis. Yep, He's thanks. developing XCOM. Um, he's with Casey O'Toole, who's lead programmer. Hello. So, yeah, I just wanted to basically give you chance, give you guys a chance to, to talk to everybody about XCOM because I think it's amazing and I think everybody should buy it. And wow, I wanted, we I agree to with know. you. Let's Definitely end everyone should buy it. <laughs> I know. It's over. Let's end on that note and just go home, everybody. I say everybody should buy it. I think everybody who has similar taste to me should buy it because, right. um, I mean, a lot of people have asked me actually recently, they've been like, what's this new XCOM shooter yeah. that I've seen? Because they think it's a shooter because they see <laughs> they see the trailer and they see they right. see some footage and they see a lot of kind of third person kind of cool looking action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, it's actually like really in-depth turn-based strategy. Not that yeah. that's a turn off for, for most Yeah, and, and we've actually, that's happened to us a couple times too, where we've been either at a show, one of the shows we're at or something, or one time we were in the, the 2K offices, I think, and... We were just playing, and uh, somebody came by, and they're like, "Oh, cool! Is this, what, what shooter is this?" And we're like, "Well, not really a shooter, but, uh, <laughs> but thanks, thanks." It's good that people think that it's a shooter, though, because I think it's broadening some people's horizons. They may give it a chance based off of things that they've seen and find out that uh, this is different and something that they like. We call it the Karate Kid method of strategy games where it's like they don't even know you know (laughs) they don't even realize that by painting the fence they're becoming karate masters and that's we kind of want to lure people in and then somehow by the end of it they they love tactics games so i mean yeah i guess i guess that's the thing about it that stands out at the moment um for me anyway it's just that it's it's very cerebral yeah. And it doesn't feel like, you know, it doesn't, I mean, the, the original XCOM, I mean, I was a fan, but I didn't play it that much because yeah. it was so damn difficult. Yeah. It was so difficult and I just didn't have the patience for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel massively, like, unfairly punishing, but well, it does feel good. like engaging on a brain level. Yeah. Which is really good. It's something I've been really looking for. Well, I mean, and I think that, yeah, I mean, what we're trying, that, that's great because we, it is the, the, the reward for, could I start this sentence more times? 14 times. Here we go. All right. <laughs> What I'm trying to say is, for everybody listening out there, um, the reward for playing a game like uh, XCOM is when you feel clever. You know, it's not the satisfaction of, of being able to, to, to use your reflexes necessarily so much as it is being able to feel clever about decisions you've made. And, and also, not just cerebral, but we actually think that this game sounds pompous when I say this, but... We this game actually triggers uh, emotions. So as a player, I think it triggers more emotions. You have moments of actual sadness in the game because of the fact that your soldiers can die. I'll tell you why I felt sadness. It's because I keep naming all my soldiers after all my friends. Right, And then I feel really, really bad when one of them gets eviscerated by plasma. All of them? 
Maybe some of them you realize, maybe you're yes. not such good friends. Maybe, you, maybe there's, you have some moments you're like, that nah, didn't feel anything. I, I guess it would be better to name them after my enemies, I suppose. Right. And then at least I wouldn't get so upset. Right. Not, not that I have that many enemies. I've just said that as if I have like a squadron of enemies. <laughs> I know. <laughs> name your rookies after your enemies. And then once they you know level up, change their name to your friends. That'll work. That'll I, work. I suppose it would work, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's one of the, um, the things about the game is that you have a squad of people, all of whom can basically die at any time if you make a mistake. And sometimes not even if you make a mistake, Sometimes you just get unlucky out there. Yeah, and it's it's that's war. Um, yeah, it, it is. It's a game where you have these characters and you're building your own story about them as the player. And it's interesting because the game doesn't actually know who you care about, who you consider to be the hero, and so the game will treat them all equally. And you have moments where you can lose uh, soldiers that you may have spent hours with that you really care about. Um, now the the upside to that is because that sounds terrible, doesn't it? That doesn't sound fun at all the way I describe it. But but actually, the fact is that you know it's rare in games to have consequences like that that will actually trigger like um, sadness in you and, and, and these emotions in you. Um, well, I mean, people try too hard. I right. think that's the problem is that often a game's like we're going to make you really feel something, man. We're going right. to make you like weep into your Kleenex for right. the whole sixteen hour duration right. of this campaign and they just try too hard they and don't let you make your own right exactly story up right and that's the thing is that like you the it, i think this is genuine emotion because we're not trying to force anything although we do do a couple of nasty emotional tricks to get you closer to your soldiers you know we we do have a couple of those but um, you can see them running on their little treadmills in yes the right you see that's you one. can go back to your base see them running on the treadmills and they're like we're gonna be okay right boss and you're like yeah care of you um but yeah no we um when they reach a certain rank uh they earn a nickname you know so then it stops becoming just the name now it's like oh that's that's snake eyes and they have whatever country they're from they all have home countries and we try and draw the flag big on their back so when you're going in to take a shot you see that flag and you start to differentiate your soldiers and say oh yes that's you know that's my brazilian sniper you know that's my brazilian sniper snake eyes and then you just (laughs) and then you build these stories about them because they survive a battle they get wounded or or something happens and then you know even to the point where when soldiers die you go back to your base you go to the memorial which is this room in the base where all the names of all the soldiers you've lost uh, are written out and you know there's like sad bagpipe music Mm-hmm. You like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. we like backpacks. Says something to you, huh? <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and like as more of them die, you see pictures filling in on the walls behind the names, and and so yeah, we we have a couple of nasty emotional tricks that we play, but um, yeah, I mean it is something that that I that's what we always wanted, and we experienced it ourselves. But that's probably been the most rewarding is seeing how emotional people become about their their uh, soldiers. Now that was one of the main things about the original. I mean, I don't want to talk too much about the original because sure. a it's a different game, and b like a lot of us haven't played it. I mean, yeah, it was yeah. out in the nineties. Yeah, a lot of people either didn't have the money for a PC at the time, like me, or right. were too young or whatever and didn't play it. So right. let's talk about it on its on its own. But one of the things that's very um, affecting about the game for me is it's it's scary. It's it's frightening because there's power there. Like this this invasion is not friendly. Yeah. At all. And there's there's just such kind of latent power. And you know that you know you see aliens kind of in the distance through the fog of war. Right. And, you know, you don't always know exactly how many of them are or where they are. And also, you don't know what's going to happen ultimately, like, over the course of right. the next couple of weeks. That's right. And, and um, it, it's one of those fun things that in, in our game as well where it's important that the player... It's important, and this sounds strange, but it's important that the player knows the game doesn't care about them. Like, the game is, you know, like, the, the experience feels authentic, actually. Because when you go into a combat match... You don't know whether you're going to win or not. If you play another game, typically you can be like, oh, okay, I'm going to win. Yeah, it's just circumstances a quest. have been arranged for right, you to so win, I mean, right? Right, so I will win because that's the whole point of the game. In XCOM, that is not the point of the game necessarily. The game doesn't care whether you win or not. And you can, in fact, lose battles, and, and that's fine. Um, you can lose soldiers, you can lose battles. And so when you go into these battles, in fact, you can even lose the entire game, which is, of course, an oddity nowadays. But because of the fact that there are those consequences and, th- and that that experience is authentic, then the player, you do get that sort of tension and, and you you get a larger satisfaction out of, of succeeding because you're like, oh, I succeeded against real odds instead of some yeah, sort absolutely. of... Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes the game's actually scary not from what you can see. It's scary from what you can't see. You may see an alien and, and you're like, well, I'm going to go up there and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill that alien. And, and you probably do that the first couple of times, but you quickly learn that there's things that you can't see out there. So as soon as you move that guy up, 
all of a sudden there's four more aliens up there. And so you start to learn it's the parts of the map and parts of the game that you can't see that are the scariest. Yeah. And of course, there's a return of fog of war. You can't actually see that far. Right. Um, which, right. I mean, that's, you know, my, most of my memories of fog of war are actually of advanced wars on the GBA. Yeah, yeah. And I just remember thinking, how is this cartoony game scaring me? Because I, I can't <laughs> actually see what's back there. You know, right. It could be a battalion of tanks and I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just, it's, it's cool to play something that doesn't treat you like an idiot, actually. Yeah, I mean. A lot, I mean, a lot of games do sometimes just just. They're just a bit patronizing now. Right. XCOM doesn't do that, which I think is a no. huge draw. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it is, um, and, and it's interesting because we do, well, when we were making it, we certainly believed in it, but it's one of those things where, again, you're kind of out there on a limb saying, oh, we think this is going to appeal to people, but it, it isn't very common, and so it is kind of scary sometimes when you're making a game like that to be like, well, is this going to be okay? Like, should we be more? Like, should yeah. we be a little more hand-holding? Should we... Be careful that like should soldiers die permanently? Is that is that gonna feel okay to players? But yeah, so we, we sort of went through that whole experience ourselves trying to to, mm. to to figure out. And of course we ended up uh on the brutal side. And the I game is fun to lose. Right? Is, because yeah. even when you do lose, you're you know you understand why you lost. And you, you understand which moments led for, to the point where you did lose. And so you do better the next time. You don't make those same mistakes. Mm. And one of the smart things as well is that there's options, right? Like you, you can play the game on a difficulty level that lets you replay missions. Right. If you lose someone, you can you can start again, or you can play it on a difficulty level that doesn't allow that. That's so right. Your first try is the try. Yeah, exactly. And and that's the thing is that like that's the game. You know, if you play on normal difficulty, you're gonna you know you should be able to to beat the game. You may have to save and reload, but it's just like any other game. But we do have what we call Iron Man mode, which you can turn on. Um, and then once you turn on Iron Man mode, in, in, in XCOM, this is particularly brutal. And the idea is that you, you know, every time you make a choice, the game will save. And it will say, like, oh, well, that's your choice then. There's no going back. And, and that, when you play with that mode on, it is very, very stressful. I mean, it's a little bit like Diablo's hardcore mode. I mean, mm. in the sense that there is no going back. And so all these choices you're making cannot be undone. And, and so that ratchets the tension up really, really high. Wouldn't recommend that for somebody's first play. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say it's been a really good year for for PC games, but of course X comes out on right. uh, on Xbox as well, right? And yeah. PS3, so yeah. so I think that that's cool as well because um, for some reason I thought it was PC only until about three months ago. Yeah, I mean, it, obviously it's got that long, you know, it's got that long history, and and you know, it's obviously it makes sense on the on the PC, but from the very beginning, you know, we we knew it would work on. Um, the consoles because it's funny to call it I mean it is officially kind of a strategy game but typically strategy games are about like uh, zoomed out and numbers and yeah, abstractions yeah. and XCOM's actually you know it's more of a tactics game where it's, you're controlling individual soldiers you're taking every shot in the battle so um, we knew that it could work on consoles we just you know had to make sure the input works it's, it's highly immersive for a strategy game yeah, and yeah. so it definitely fits on consoles for that reason yeah. I mean, you guys obviously, um, Firaxis is famous for, for Civilization yep. um, previously, and that also does an excellent job just bringing a little bit of humanity and sort of uh, yeah. kind of like a human story to, to what is a very quite abstract strategy game, really, or right. could be without, yeah, without those absolutely. extra elements. So, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a good, good fit yeah. Yeah. Um, developer-wise. Uh, so I think that some I think fear is an element of sci-fi that is underdone by games. Yeah. I think there's been there's been some awesome um, kind of scary sci-fi movies. Obviously, you know, right. from Alien onwards and backwards. There's oh, just yeah. too many to even mention. But um, I mean, mostly with games, it's Halo style, isn't it? Right. Which is not quite so scary. Like. Well, yeah, that's actually you're right, and and I think that with with XCOM, what we thought about was. The thing that's frightening about Alien Invasion, it's true, because Alien Invasion can be campy, and, and, you know, you can't take yourself too seriously. But um, I think that what's what's scary about it, and we always tried to amplify this, was the fact that there are all these things we take for granted. You know, all of these things that we have, all these niceties that we enjoy. And then and in Alien Invasion, somebody simply comes down and just says, like, oh, those aren't yours anymore. Like, nothing's <laughs> safe. Like, everything that you thought was safe, None of that's safe. Like, we can do whatever we want. We can come take you whenever we want, and we will come take you. And um, this idea of this technologically superior species, it, I mean, that is so 
hard for us to wrap our head around. We, we are so completely dominate this planet that if some species came along and they were to us what we are to rabbits, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, can you absolutely imagine? It'd just be um, carnage. <laughs> right. Um, and so we, we, what we tried to do was um, we always talked about the phenomenon, like we call it the shark in the living room phenomenon, which is you take something that's very familiar and comfortable to people. And for us, that was the level. So like their city streets or their um, their gas stations or whatever they are. They're, they're a site that the player can look out the window and see. And then you drop these terrifying aliens into the middle of it. And that is far more scary and, and emotionally affecting, let's say, than if it was on Mars where aliens mm. kind of fit, you know, or even, you know, it's underwater, you know, it's something where it's like, oh, well, it doesn't seem that odd for aliens to be here, but it, it you know, it, the juxtaposition of something familiar with something um, bizarre, I think, makes it even more um, affecting. Like games sometimes do that with shooters, don't they? Like there's been a big, um, ever since Crisis 2 really, there's been a big, lots of shooting and bad stuff happening in New York. In, right. You know, streets of, yep. uh, you know, in uh, home, Homeland. Was yep. it called Home? No, it was called Homeland. That's the TV series. Front. front. There we go. I always home do that. Right. Homefront, another one, you know, it's about, right. you know, taking war and putting it in your right, back, right. backyard, as it were. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a good technique, actually. Yeah. I think yeah. it works pretty well. Um, where did the alien design come come from for for XCOM? Was it very? I know it's it's very faithful to to the to the older it, the older XCOM. Yeah, I mean it was. That's where we started, and then we we knew we wanted to add some more as well, and so we sort of looked at the the inspiration of. I mean, XCOM was originally created by you know two brothers, the Gollop brothers, actually. So good English gents. Um, and, uh, you know, they sort of took their inspiration from, this was 94, right? So X-Files mm. were popular, and there are going to be people out there who don't know what the X-Files are. Is that true? <laughs> oh, I'm sure people must have at least heard of X-Files. Files Maybe be. not seen an episode, but definitely everyone's heard of X-Files. I've been struggling right? with my age everybody knows. Everybody knows the... Wait, I've just realized I don't know the catchphrase. There's something out there. Is that right? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Everybody awesome. apart from me knows Everybody that. Everybody knows. I don't actually know the catchphrase. There's something out there. Is um, that right? No, no, no. What is it? Believe. Wait. What? Something believe. What is it? What is it? Wait. What is it? What is it? The truth is out there. The truth, the truth is out there. Is out there. Not yeah. something's out there. Obviously, everybody knows, except that's for all is the three truth. of us. Wow, that was embarrassing yeah. for everybody. Scullians. Mulder. 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 It's a weird name, incidentally, Mulder. Yeah, I mean, that that was, the X-Files was big, and so the original XCOM got its aliens from that sort of um, campy, you know, UFO mythology background. And so when we added new aliens, obviously we, we um, wanted to be, true to the aliens that were in the original, so we've, we've updated them. But then when we added new ones, we sort of went back to that UFO mythology, and that's how we added the Thin Man, which is this um, sort of alien infiltrated, this guy in a, in a suit, which... Is it Slenderman? Uh, you know, Have you put Slenderman in XCOM? It is, there's a resemblance between Slenderman and, and th the Thin Man. God damn it, people. Obviously, he just threw the name, I guess, but <laughs> he wasn't meant to, I, he really wasn't meant to be, it sort of was... Oh, I couldn't sleep for two weeks after playing Slender. Yeah, Not yeah, properly, yeah. this is going to ruin a bit of XCOM for me. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> oh. he's his own thing, but um, yeah, it kind of <laughs> happened in parallel where we, we had this, you know, this big, tall guy in a suit, and then somebody was like, you ever heard of Slenderman? And we were like, well, that's weird. So yeah, it is a creepy image. It's a universal creepy image. Yeah, it is the since. elongated limbs. Um, it's something about the human form when we're so we are trained and and biologically ingrained even to see the human form, find that comforting and recognizable. And then when you distort that, mm -hmm. or when it moves in unexpected ways, there's something you know in the back of your mind, some primal part of the back of your mind, biological that fear. Terrified. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like oh, well, good. I'm see, looking forward uh, to those. Like spy, you know. Snakes or spiders, you know. I have a lot of snakes in my house, which um, <laughs> it's not just, a euphemism. It's just, I just have a lot of snakes in my house. They just happen to be there, or are they, <laughs> well, are they pets? They moved in. No, I um, <laughs> I just I live out in the woods, and so going kind of far afield here. But I live out <laughs> I live out in the woods, and um, so I'm always finding snakes in my house. And in fact, they they used to be in like inside my my basement, and then I finally found all the holes, sealed them up, and I have had to um, deal with, let's say just in case there's any animal lovers out there, gently coax the snakes out of my house. Um, and so, I, what am I talking about? I don't know. Where are you going with this? This is where I'm going. This is where I'm going. This is where I'm going. So, I am not, um, like, on, at a rational level, I'm not afraid of snakes anymore. I just, I'm used to snakes. Like, 
I see a snake, and I got these big snakes, right? They're like five, six feet long. Mm-hmm. I have pictures here on my phone, I'll show you. Um, uh, we'll post these on the website. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, so I, when I see snakes, I'm not afraid of them anymore. I just go in and, and take care of them. But there's something about it. I can always say that rationally, but when they get upset and they start like wiggling around and start moving or, or along the ground, there's something in the back of your mind that is like caveman level where you just are just like, oh, God, that's weird. How is it supposed to not supposed to move? It's the same with spiders, isn't it? Yeah. It's just it's not supposed spiders. to move that way. Right, exactly. <laughs> there's just, something inherently creepy. Yeah, there's something. There you go, everyone. Look at the website for pictures of Jake's snakes. <laughs> right. It's going to happen. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've completely lost track. <laughs> <laughs> that was quite intention. <laughs> I don't know. What are we? What were we talking about before we started talking about uh, snakes? Oh, alien design. Alien design. Right, alien right. design. Okay, yeah, so we've done yeah. alien yeah, design. Yeah, and so yeah, I mean, I think it was the same sort of thing. We 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 went back to UFO mythology to sort of find the to, to find our our uh, to mine uh, as as ground for like new aliens and things like that. Cool. And some of them didn't make the cuts. Oh Ooh. my god. Oh, please give us some some. Oh my Exclusive goodness. insights into cut aliens. Tell them about the battle toad. Yeah, <laughs> we. So I was playing a lot of Left 4 Dead, and I was also dumb as I am typically, as I am. And uh, I came with this idea for an alien that was like a three-story frog type alien. A three-story frog. But already you're intrigued, I can tell. Yeah. Uh, no, and I didn't stop there. I didn't. My mind didn't suddenly go, maybe not a three-story frog. I said, <laughs> let's go deeper with this. And so it's a three-story frog. That, like in Left 4 Dead, it has this big tongue. Oh, God, I'm embarrassed saying this. His tongue that would shoot out and would wrap up the, uh, the a soldier and, like, the frog would swallow. And you can imagine what sound we would come up with that. I don't know. Whatever. And so I thought that was pretty good frog noise. And then, <laughs> and so you'd have this soldier, like, in the frog and you'd have to kill the frog quickly because he'd be, like, digesting the soldier. So it was like... Uh, that actually sounds quite good. Yeah, well, I think mechanics-wise, I think it would have been pretty fun, but I think that it was one of those things where, like, a three-story frog? Really? That doesn't like, really make sense from an alien universe, actually. does it? And, uh, yeah, so that one. And then we had another one who was an alien who was kind of, like, dog-like, and he was this big, but his his uh, his thing was kind of poison, and, and he was, like, a silicon-based life form, and so... As he walked around the map, he would sort of like trail all this um, acid and poison. And it was like he, he looked like he was basically a dog urinating acid everywhere he went. <laughs> mm. And so, again, one of those where... Too not, much comedy potential there, right, right there? Right, right. You always want to have a little dark humor, but not just blatant. Uh, that's absurd, so... I always, I always feel sorry for for developers. Like as soon as a game comes out, and sometimes even before it comes out, a preview, people are always looking for funny stuff, like ways to break it. Oh, I, I like that it's, stuff. It's, it's, yeah, it's good. But I always, I mean, for one time, I was at a, a, a press event for you know Sleeping Dogs. Yeah. Um, I was at a press event for Sleeping Dogs, and they discovered someone at the event discovered that if you um, grab a man who sells pork buns and <laughs> slam his head against your trunk and then just put him in your trunk and drive around with him. You can take him out and buy buns from him at any point. <laughs> so that just ended up completely hijacking this preview event. And the poor guy who was supposed to be in charge of it was sitting there going, oh no, no there's so don't. much more to this game. He's just envisioning 25 previews going, do you know you can put the bun guy in your, in your boot? And then I don't take know what they wanted to show us, but I do know you can put the bun guy. He's a very forgiving bun guy. <laughs> yeah, he didn't seem to mind that much. Right. Never actually tried that in the final version. I wonder if it still works. Oh man, that's just great. being bug testers. But yeah, you're you're always. I mean, as soon as a game becomes public, well, and people uh, are going to mess with it. Yeah, and that's that's part of it. And actually, I think as a developer, you kind of laugh as long as it's you know done in in, in good fun. And, and it, games are emergent. Combat and XCOM can be emergent with the destructible environment. All the environments are destructible and. You can set fires, and, and the aliens are kind of doing their own thing. Your soldiers panic and can do their own random events. So you get this sort of emergent combat. And especially in emergent games, yeah, you can never clamp that down, you know? Like that yeah, that's the whole will, point, isn't it? Right, and so, you know, people... I mean, I used to love... GTA is one of my absolute favorite games. And so I will go back and I'll watch the videos of some of these people, what they've been able to do inside Grand Theft Auto, like... Somehow in the world, you know, they have these amazing physics things or they'll jump out of a jet and land in a car. You know, just these amazing things where, to me, I think that's that's what video games do best. It's oh, amazing. totally. It's about yeah. bending it, really. Yeah, the point it of is. Doing yeah. things you can't do elsewhere. And also finding ways to exploit 
yeah. a game uh, as well. Not the that. way it ruins it. But I mean, I mean, what Resident Evil Six has been out for a day, a few hours, even is it even out in the states yet? I don't think it is. There's already gifs all over the internet of a thing you can do where um, I think Chris just rides a little panda. Like a little panda seesaw <laughs> in 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 a in a playground. That's just he just sits there on his own riding right. in a deserted playground riding this little panda seesaw. Right. <laughs> it's, it's all over the internet. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's now what people are gonna remember Resident Evil Six for who never played. And, and I know people have found with the demo that we released that oh they've they've hacked the demo up and they've yeah. found way to uh, ways to apply some of the different animations of the aliens to the meshes of the aliens. So they've got sectoids. They have? Uh, being visualized with uh, the Thin Man animation what? set, and so <laughs> did, really, y- you can only imagine what that looks like. They really did that. Yeah. Oi. Speaking of which, if you clever have you, community, are you exp- great? We're talking to IGN, one of the largest audiences out there, to tell them how to hack up our game. So <laughs> Speaking of which, have you got modding? Is modding going to be a big part of XCOM on PC? I mean, or it's something we, you know, at Firaxis, it's obviously something we're more interested in. I mean, we haven't. We haven't even looked at it yet, just because we're we're just about to ship. But it, I think it's a good sign that like people have been able to already. They've modded our demo. I didn't know about this thing with the animations. I didn't even know they could access our meshes and our animations. So uh, I guess I should say by de facto, <laughs> yes, apparently. But um, we haven't done any developer support for it yet. But it's it's certainly something we we want to look into. But yeah, they wrote somebody's written a front end for our demo that gives you access to all these things that. Naughty people not, supposed not supposed to have, to have access, access to. to. So, um, but you know, it's funny. I mean, as a developer, you can't get uptight about that. It's it's typically done from people who, who love the game and want to try things out. And I, you know, that's that's kind of what the community of games. That's kind of what's special about it. Is it does have that community feel to it. So you can't get too up in arms about it. So, what else are you guys looking forward to playing this year? Oh, man. if anything, if you can even think past the narrow confines of. No, I mean, we're finally able to start to think that way, which is great. Yeah, it's it's funny. I'm so backed up on games. I'm playing games that are like two years old. I I haven't played Mass Effect 3 yet. Like, there are so many games that I love them. I haven't played them yet. But if I was to say this year, you know, Dishonored comes out the same day we do. So I've just heard really bad things about that game. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's terrible. No, we know it's going to. Yeah, no one's excited about that one. Right. Uh, And so um, it's a, I think it's an iPhone game, I think. But um, (laughs) no, we know that game's going to be good. Like Deus Ex is one of my, the top five games of all time. Harvey Smith. Like, I, you know, I'm I'm excited for for that. Um, uh, To finally sit down and play more Borderlands. Um, you know, and uh, Assassin's Creed. Gosh, I'm a generic gamer, aren't I? I'm playing. Oh, to here, I want some indie cred here. I am playing FTL, which there you um, go. it's very, There's very your indie good. Cred right there. Very good. It's like I'm, plus fifty. Yeah, I love that game. So I yeah. can't get into FTL. What's that? I can't get into FTL. Yeah? No, for some reason, it's just not. It's just not not catching me. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's because. I've had bad experiences with roguelikes. Yeah. In the past, just Dwarf Fortresses. What did they do to you? Just what Dwarf Fortress is so hard. Oh, Dwarf Fortress! Yeah. Come on, is that man. even a roguelike? So hard. Dwarf Fortress is Dwarf Fortress. It used man. to be a roguelike. I mean, it is. I don't I mean, know what it, it even is, is now. You can you can play in the mode. They do have that mode where it is kind of a roguelike. But man, I wouldn't even consider Dwarf Dwarf Fortress is Dwarf Fortress. Just, that was too hardcore for me, and I consider myself pretty. Ooh, pretty but the hardcore. thing is, I get flashbacks every time I play anything remotely similar. Even right, it takes similar, you back I get flashbacks, and it's like my horrible time with Dwarf Fortress. Yeah, Dwarf Fortresses. Talk about emergent. That that's uh, interesting. Yeah. I should probably explain what Dwarf Fortress is actually. For people. Actually, you probably should. Yeah. yeah, it's basically one man's completely insane creation that started off as like ASCII characters, but it's it's the most bizarrely complicated. Like, what even is it? It's like a fantasy RPG, but expressed through ASCII characters. It's yeah, kind of like a roguelike. That's probably the only it, way. It I is. I mean, it. it's got two modes to it, and, and one of them is where you're 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 trying to care for this this uh, tribe of dwarves, and and you are building a, a dwarf fortress, oddly yeah. enough. Um, and you're trying to survive, but the fact of the matter is, you will not survive. At nice. some point, you will you will lose, and and so, and it is incredibly like the the things that you can do in dwarf fortress are. I mean, you can do almost anything. It's just very... read the patch notes. Even reading the patch notes. Right. It's just, you're like, well. Demon masks are now more convincing was in a recent <laughs> patch notes. <laughs> right. Like, what does that mean? Ah, there are vampire salt fish the size. And you're like, what? Uh, and yeah, it's amazing what what stuff comes out of Dwarf Fortress. But it is, um, it's, it takes a little bit of 
getting used to to, to sort of like play because it's definitely it's still yeah so that, that is in summary why i can't play fdl yeah it just reminds me of yeah that, that. you got roguelike flashbacks there okay that's fair enough yeah well, thank you guys. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for coming in. That was that was a really oh. illuminating chat. Awesome to be here. Yeah, awesome thanks for having us. Yeah. So that's Jake and Casey from Foraxis talking about XCOM, and uh, well, that's it for this week's podcast. Uh, a couple of th- bits and pieces to mention. On Tuesday, we have the new Xbox Live IGN app launching. So Whoa. get the full IGN experience on your Xbox. Yes. And also next week, uh, it is the next IGN UK pub quiz. But if you haven't signed up already, one looky. Sold out. The table's gone. Yeah. So, can you still pop Sold up? Turn out. up for a drink or not? Uh, you can turn up for the Nintendo Disco. Oh, afterwards. Yeah. afterwards. What yeah, that'll else? Be fun. Keep, keep your peepers peeled on uh, Twitter, uh, IGN UK, and Facebook, and we will throw details up yeah. there. But yes, that's it for this week's podcast. So we will be back this time next week. Okay, and let's bye. know what you. Oh, I was going to mention. Go on, you can. Go on. I haven't quite said goodbye yet. Okay, can I carry on? IGN UK feedback on IGN.com if you'd like to say hello or ask us any questions. And that's it. Uh, And that's it. Okay, okay. bye. 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 Oh, dude, lovely. We're still in harmony at the vibe bit as well. Oh, nice. From from the Bond thing. That was nice. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.